It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Where were you on 9 11? As we mark 20 years since that tragic day, Q104.3 explores that question with 9-11 Stories, a podcast presented by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community. Each week, we present a 9-11 story from first responders, celebrities, and everyday people whose lives were forever altered that day. And now, here's your host, Shelley Sunstein. This is the 9-11 story of U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who led the Senate in passing the 9-11 health care bill in 2010. When 9-11 happened, I was a young lawyer uh, working in New York City. I had just gotten married that April, and my husband and I uh, had just left the city. We were on a trip with his parents uh, to the Berkshires, and I remember waking up early and turning on the news and seeing what was happening. I saw a tower burning and we just were glued to the newsfeed and we just kept watching. And then uh, when the second plane hit the tower, uh, it was beyond shocking. Um, I started to cry. Uh, I started calling my parents because we didn't know what was happening. We assumed it was a terrorist attack. We were worried there would be more attacks. Um, Sadly, uh, one of my father's best friends was in one of the towers and died that day. Uh, It was something that pretty much everyone I knew from the New York City community had experienced on some level. They had a friend, a family member, somebody they knew. And so if you remember that day, the country locked down because we didn't know if there was going to be follow-on terrorist attacks. We didn't know um, what was next and what was going to happen next. And so it was a very frightening day. And I was really grateful. I was with my husband um, and his family, and we were actually outside the city. So we felt personally safe, um, but we were worried. And we were worried for the country. My sister was supposed to get married the next weekend. And uh, because the airlines shut down, everything had to be changed. And I ultimately did not go to her wedding um, because I was afraid to fly. I was afraid to get on an aircraft when it was time and people could start going back on aircrafts. And um, so I missed that really important life event um, because I was still very scared. Uh, We lived um, on 39th Street, East 39th Street at the time. And I lived in a very tall building, one that had glass all around. And you could see the smoldering fire for weeks after the towers fell. You could see the smoke. You could smell it in the air. Uh, It was something that was eerie and frightening. And there was a sadness over the city that was so pervasive. And people were just scared. Uh, There was also some bright lights. Uh, The bright lights were our first responders. Uh, the stories of the men and women who rushed 
to Ground Zero, who ran up the towers when everyone was coming down, the stories of the firefighters, uh, the men and women who then went to the pile to find survivors. And then that turned into finding remains. And it was just so horrible and horrific to be part of. If you remember the wall of photos and the candles um, where people placed the pictures of their loved ones, every day you heard another news story about who was lost on 9-11. And so it was heart-wrenching and it was a gut punch day after day. Um, but it was just a very sad time. It took a long time for people to feel like they could go back to work, that they could go back to normal. For some people, it was never normal again. And when I ultimately ran for office in 2006, um, George Bush was president. And I remember watching the television with my husband and he started talking about the axis of evil and all these countries that he was determined to invade. Uh, it was a frightening time. And it was one of the reasons why I decided to run for Congress uh, because I thought the direction that George Bush was taking us was the wrong one. And so I ran in 2006 in my upstate New York um, hometown district on getting us out of Iraq and on um, how we should defeat terrorism, uh, that we didn't need those troops deployed. Uh, we didn't need a never ending war. And um, I ran on issues that matter to my community. Uh, but 9-11 has always affected me uh, as a New Yorker, as someone who lived in, uh, in New York City at the time. Uh, and it's really affected me as a senator. Um, when I became a senator, I was asked to lead the 9-11 health bill by Senator Schumer. And it was the first thing he asked me to do. And it was a very heavy, heavy, heavy uh, burden because it hadn't gone anywhere in the Senate. It had never had a hearing. It had never had um, any movement, no bipartisanship. Uh, the House had done a lot of good work. They had already had over 20 hearings. They had had um, bill text. They had had uh, enormous work being done um, by the three lead uh, senator, the three lead House members. Um, it was Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney and Peter King and the rest of the delegation. Everyone worked on it. So when I was asked to lead it, it was a big, tall order. And so I just wrote a list of all the things that needed to happen to pass the 9-11 bill. I needed to write a bill. I needed to improve uh, the House bill for anything that was lacking. I had to meet with the mayor, which was Mayor Bloomberg, um, and get his uh, buy-in for my strategy. Um, I had to um, get a hearing, make sure we had a hearing. Um, I had to find a Republican co-sponsor, which I found. And then I had to find allies, Republican allies, to help me figure out how to pay for the bill and how to get it done. And over the next year and a half, we did that work and we got the support of um, people who really wanted to see this happen. Um, we had, I had women senators who were guiding me on how to find the right pay for so that Republicans would vote yes. Um, we started doing a lot of news media. Uh, we had the help of people like John Stewart and John Feel who had been on the ground from the beginning, uh, knocking on every door in Congress. Uh, John Field and the Feel Good Foundation created a 
team of men and women to come to Washington week after week. He hired buses. He spent his own money. He did all this work to just create the advocacy behind it. I remember my first meeting with John Feel, and I know he looked me up and down and wanted to assess whether I was going to be worth my weight and whether I was going to get it done. And I promised him with tears in my eyes. I said, John, I won't let this go. I promise. And when I met John Stewart, the first time I met him was on his set. And uh, he had had a whole episode devoted to 9-11. He had four um, of the men who stood on the pile uh, and four of our first responders, and they each told their personal story. I got to meet those men. And then when I was interviewed by, by John Stewart, uh, I saw his passion and I knew this was the thing that I was going to do. And so working with John Stewart, John Field, and all the first responders, all the men and women who came down, the community representatives, uh, the people who live at Ground Zero, uh, the firefighters, the police officers, they never stopped. And it really, it really was the formative first two years of my Senate career was to get that first bill passed. When we finally got it passed, it passed unanimously. And it passed unanimously because I got the support of key senior Republicans uh, and Mike Enzi, who just passed away, and Senator Coburn. Um, they were the two who came to work with me and Senator Schumer. Um, Senator Schumer was the closer. You know, he knew he'd been in the Senate for a long time. He knew what pieces were needed to get everyone to yes. And without his help, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, without his leadership, it wouldn't have happened. Um, and so it was me, Senator Schumer, um, Mike Enzi, and um, Tom Coburn, and we made a deal, and we passed the first bill for five years. Five years later, we had to pass it again, and five years later, we had to pass it again. And last year, we finally made the bill permanent for the entire life of the 9-11 first responders and the community members who were exposed. Before we talk about the 9-11 health effects and how it has now, 9-11 illnesses have now killed more people than we lost on 9-11, which is just astounding and horrific. But first, I'm just curious, when did you start flying again? When did you start personally feeling safe enough to take a plane? It probably took me months and I canceled two trips. Um, the first trip was my sister's wedding, which was in Las Vegas. And then my husband and I were supposed to travel for a week after in the Southwest. And we never, we never did that trip. Um, so I think probably the next trip was probably a holiday like Christmas or just later. It was just later. I just wasn't ready. Um, I just didn't feel I didn't feel like the moment was actually over. I felt like there was another shoe to drop. And it took me a long time to finally feel that that shoe wasn't going to drop. It's one of the reasons why I've made fighting terrorism a focal point of my Senate career. I serve on the Armed Services Committee and have been there for 10 years. I also just uh, was given the opportunity to serve on the Intelligence Committee. And so a lot of my focus in the Senate is on how do we prevent another terror attack? At what point did it dawn on you? Were you aware that, oh, my God, the toxic dust is making people sick? Oh, I could tell immediately. I was furious because it was the Bush administration that was lying. Their EPA told first responders the air was safe 
for them to work. It never was. And I could tell just by smelling it in the days after 9-11, you could smell it. You knew it was crushed glass and electronics and building materials. You could tell that when all those materials are crushed, they would make a toxic emission that would harm you. It, I could tell, I knew it and I was furious that we were being lied to. Okay, I'm going to pose the question to you. I've had this discussion with a number of elected officials. Finally, our government did the right thing and set up the World Trade Center Health Program, which provides free health care for 9-11 victims in every state for life. And there's the Victim Compensation Fund, which is in place for 70 years to compensate those who have died and the families and those who were ill. Okay, here's my question to you, Senator. That's all good. That's all great. However, there are about a half million people in the 9-11 community, a half million people whose health may be impacted by that toxic dust over their lifetime. Most of these people don't know about these programs. I'm just an ordinary citizen, but it just came in my mind that if I owed the IRS money, they would find me wherever I was. So I ask you, is there anything we can do to set in motion in our government a system where these people can be contacted? We know who was in school in that area. We know by tax records who was working in that area. You know who the residents were. It, it seems that we should be able to find them, warn them, and tell them what is available. Mm -hmm. So we've done a lot of outreach to the 9-11 community to ask them to please register. Uh, we've asked them to register year after year after year because they need to be part of these healthcare programs so that if they do get sick, that they can be diagnosed right away and be treated appropriately. And so we've asked people to register. Not everybody wants to do that. You have to recognize people experience 9-11 in different ways. Um, and they may not want to register. They may not want to be on a health registry. Uh, we can keep asking them. We can keep telling them that these are serious impacts and that many people are getting ill because of the health of impacts of those toxins. But you can't make them register. But is there a way of the government contacting these people is what I'm asking. It probably could be done. Um, certainly school kids could be contacted. And I don't know that they haven't been, but that's something I can work with you on. OK, thank you. Is there anything else you want to add, Senator? No, but thank you for doing this. Thank you for keeping these memories alive and documenting what happened. Uh, it matters deeply to me and to all New Yorkers and to the whole country. Well, thank you, Senator. Thank you. Take care. You Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another chapter of 9-11 Stories, a podcast presented by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community and New York's classic rock, Q104.3.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.